Well, I want to thank you for letting me be here with you today. Uh, more than just the collaboration of the Holiness Today issue, I've really greatly appreciated. I think the GMC is lucky that NBC is, is in the building. It's great to just kind of bounce ideas off of people in the building. And, and often, uh, David Church specifically, I've been able to kind of uh, pick his brain. Uh, I don't know if he has much to pick over of my brain, but, I, but it, we, we've had some good conversations. And I've gotten to actually know Dr. Sherwood before he took the uh, NBC president job because he's one of those local church leaders that's important to, uh, to connect with. And uh, <clears throat> that being said, I, I really I wanted to bring greetings from the, the general editor office. I wanted to connect with you guys today. But as my role as a content editor, I really would say it's I wouldn't say it's impossible, but it's difficult to do. If I'm not connecting with the local church, if I'm not reaching out and, and making sure I'm figuring out what's going on and, and uh, our local church pastors and lay leaders and, and district superintendents, they, they are uh, they're kind of doing theology in action. One of our district superintendents actually called it faith in action. And uh, I thought that was a brilliant way to put it. But often frequently in those phone calls and those conversations with pastors, they share with me an insight, a theological insight or a reflection on scripture that I hadn't really thought about before. Uh, in one of those phone calls with the pastor, he brought up, he brought up a familiar story. He brought up the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I think, I think we're all familiar with this story, but he asked me to think about it in more of a spiritual allegorical sense. He asked me to think about it, uh, think about the role of church. And I like to think about local church in the context of the story. And I, and I must admit, I had not really ever thought about this story other than its plain meaning <clears throat> of showing neighborly love. Uh, no doubt that's really what the point of the story is. But since that conversation with that pastor, uh, I'm sharing with you this morning, but I've shared it with other pastors because I think it's an interesting reflection. It's a good reflection. And so as I read the parable with us, I kind of want us to think about where, where the church is at in the story and what the role of the church is in the story. Jesus is asked by an expert of the law to define neighbor and responds with the following parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus then asked the expert of the law, which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the expert of the law, I, I think it'd be hard to get that one wrong. But Jesus was challenging him there, but, but the answer is pretty obvious. He says, the one who had mercy on him. And again, we've heard this text of scripture uh, preached and taught. We, it's, it's a popular reference. Uh, even people in the secular, unchurched field would, would understand the concept of what being a good Samaritan is. Jesus really, in answering the, the law teacher, actually brings it back to its original definition. Neighbor really is about being close to people, but not necessarily on likes or affinity. Um, you know, this is maybe more of a Larry David type reflection, but neighbors are really those people that are around us that, that we might not actually like. But those people, to show neighborly love is to actually give care and consideration and take pity and mercy for those people as we see them. And I'm not, I, I think we should love our, love our neighbors, of course, but I'm saying sometimes that doesn't mean 
there are people that we should have common interests with and whatnot. And, and I think, you know, that's where Jesus challenges the law professor. But a funny example of this other day in a very tangible sense happened to me. I, I went to the, to the coffee shop. I went to the uh, gas station to get a cup of coffee and I went to Quick Trip. So I'll, I'll give a short plug for Quick Trip. But if you've ever been to a Quick Trip during the busy time, they're, they're really rushing you in and out really fast. And you never want to be that person that's, uh, that's holding up the line. And so as I, I get ready, I got my wallet pulled out, got my coffee, went to the register, pulled out my credit card or attempted to and recognized I had left my credit card. And so I immediately started uh, uh, apologizing to the man at the register in, 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 a, in an instance, as, as that's how I felt. It just was instantaneous. Uh, a lady recognized that, saw that I didn't have a cup of coffee, took pity on me, gave me mercy, showed mercy to me and paid for my cup of coffee. And obviously I wasn't broken on the side of the road, but I think in that, in that small interaction, I felt that neighborly love. And I think probably if we really thought about it, we could think about how we do those kind of things frequently. And those, those things are done for us frequently. The pastor who asked me to think about the role of church, he, he didn't want to take away from the focus of the Samaritan. That clearly is the point of the story. He didn't want to change the focus. He didn't want to eisegete the text in any way. And our pastors, if you talk to them very, very long, which you guys do because you train them up, but uh, they're very smart and intelligent people. And, and this is, I, I laugh at it because what a well-read pastor, but he said to me, who or what does St. Augustine say represents the church in this parable? And I admitted then, and I'll admit now, I'm, I'm not really well-read in Augustine. I, I likely should be, and I'd like to be more, but uh, as I, as I kind of reflected on that question, I really thought about the five characters in the story. There really is five characters. And I've yet to have a pastor when I ask them say that the broken man on the road is, is at the church. I think uh, <laughs> maybe if Michael Thompson was given this, he may have heard pastors say that. I think maybe pastors that are struggling may, may reflect that way. But no, I, I've never heard someone say the broken man represents the church. Interestingly enough, some of the commentaries that take a more allegorical reflection on this text Talk about the Levite and the priest uh, representing a, a decayed, not really a decayed, but a, an inadequate religious system, the priestly system that really is unable to help brokenness. Um, but, you know, I, thankfully, no pastors have said the Levite or the priest. But I think we could probably think of some of the unchurched, some of the people that might be hateful or frustrated at the church. Uh, they may say the Levite or the priest represents the church kind of holier than thou, separate from brokenness. But the answer that I gave and the answer I think that uh, most people give and the pastors that I've talked to give is that the Samaritan represents the church. And I think, you know, no doubt the Samaritan in some sense uh, is connected to the church. I mean, there's connection points, or at least he's a law follower. I mean, he's following the moral law. But the pastor said to me, and it's a character we don't really think about too often, and it's a place we don't really think about often. We think of the road, and we think of the Samaritan, and we think of the people passing them by. But he said, really, Augustine wanted us to think about the inn and the innkeeper as the, as the church and as the minister of the church. And anytime I, 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 hear, I, I hear a new reflection of the text of Scripture or I reflect on that from a commentary, I like to walk back through the story. And obviously, we're, we're kind of pressing, the, pressing the, the, uh, the story to be a little more allegorical. But if, if we think of the inn as the church, then yes, the Samaritan understands where the church is. The Samaritan knows where it's at because he takes the man to the inn. 
But what does the Samaritan not do? The Samaritan doesn't just stay with the man on the road. He doesn't go to the man and say, hey, I recognize that you're broken. I see that you're broken. It's so-and-so's fault. And perhaps if such and such, if we voted for this person or that person, we could change these things around and we wouldn't have robbers going up and down the highways of life. He doesn't take advantage of brokenness. He doesn't look to the broken man and recognize him and provide useful grievances for him to to, uh, enjoy. I think that's the world's response. And again, I'm talking about the brokenness of souls because we're moving into the analogy of the spiritual. But I think that's sometimes the world's response to brokenness. They recognize it. The world actually does a really good job of recognizing brokenness. But they don't really have the answers to fix that brokenness. And what the Samaritan also doesn't decide to be a church unto himself. He does provide oil and wine. He does give bandages. But the Samaritan doesn't say, I'm the church. He doesn't do it by himself. He doesn't heal the man on the side of the road. The road's dangerous. What does the Samaritan do? We know what he does. He puts the man on his donkey. And I guess if we're going to put this in contemporary analogies, he puts him in his vehicle, in his car, and he takes him to an inn. He takes him to, as Augustine will put it, church. Now, I'm going to be open and honest. I'm going to be candid with you in my research here. I did not find St. Augustine's quote. I did find that I, I, well, I found a resource that I think was St. Augustine, but I wasn't comfortable sharing it with you this morning because I didn't know I wasn't sure. I think the pastor was telling the truth because it seemed like other people had used Augustine's words. Lo- people love to use St. Augustine. It just adds, it adds a fiber to your message. It just adds credence to it. I'm using him this morning for that reason. But, um, but no, I was able to find a contemporary of Augustine, thankfully. Chrysostom, in his homilies on Luke, this is what he says about the inn. He says, the inn is the church which receives travelers who are tired with their journey through the world and oppressed with the load of their sins, where the weary traveler discarding the burden of his sins is relieved and after, after being is refreshed and restored by wholesome food. And this is what is said here, for outside the inn is everything that is conflicting, hurtful, and evil, while within the inn is contained all rest and health. John Gill, some... Uh, I think 1,500 years later, much later than Chrysostom, uh, he wrote about the inn, but he also has a neat reflection on the innkeeper. And he says, the Samaritan gave money to the host or the keeper and master of the inn. By whom are meant the ministers of the gospel? Who are the governors in the church? The masters of that spiritual inn who have the provisions of God's house under their care and whose business it is to invite travelers in, whose business it is to invite travelers in. I love that line and to dress their food for them and set it before them and bid them welcome. Gill goes on to say that taking care of the broken is the work of Christ's ministers to do. By feeding souls with the words of faith and sound doctrine, by ministering the gospel to them in a faithful manner, and by a constant administration of the ordinances of it, and by keeping a diligent watch over them, both with respect to principles and practice, and by speaking a word and season to them. Gill's uh, explanation actually is a little longer. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's worth looking up. It's a good reflection on the text. Um, and, and like I said, I've shared this text with pastors since I, I've appropriated that since the first pastor shared that reflection with me and I've shared it with other pastors. Uh, and often I, I, I get a sense of relief from the pastor when I, when I share this with him, but I actually had a chance to screenshot that, that Gill's commentary and send it to him. And, he, and the pastor texted me back and he said, that's awesome. I feel refreshed. I feel like you've, you've given me a good description of my job duties. You've really shown me where, where really I am at or where I should be at in the story. And like I said, 
we're not going to hear the in, that we're not going to hear this story preached from the perspective of the innkeeper too often. I guess I'm doing it this morning, but we're really not going to hear that too often because he isn't the point of the story. I don't want to push the story to a place that it doesn't shouldn't be. Uh, John Calvin actually warned against doing that, but us Wesleyans sometimes don't listen to Calvin, so I, I think I'm in good 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 standing to to disagree with him on some things. But uh, but really, I I think it's an interesting and refreshing thing to think about the innkeeper because we really forget him. He's like the fifth character in the story. He's like the last character in the story. We don't really think about him a lot. Our, our minds are focused on the road. Our minds are focused on the brokenness and on the people passing him by. And I think sometimes pastors are that way. Pastors are really kind of in the background. Pastors in the church are kind of an assumed good that when all things are going bad, people know to go to, but they don't really kind of think about it in, in their life. A, a funny reflection, I, I, I'm jumping around to pastors, but my brother's a pastor in Madison, Wisconsin. And if you've ever been to Madison, it's mostly Lutheran and, and funny enough, pretty Roman Catholic, I mean, some Roman Catholic churches. So there actually is a lot of what I'd call, untr- there's, a, there's a lot of non-Lutheran, non-Catholics who, when things happen in their life, crisis happen in their life, they don't really have a connection point. Like the Lutherans and the Catholics won't provide funeral services if if you're not connected to their church, if you're not a member of their church. So it's really actually provided, I think it's a God thing, but provided an opportunity for my brother at the Nazarene church there to open up the church, to invite people, broken people in. I mean, these people are mourning, these people are sad, into his church and provide service for them. And I think I think the Lord has blessed it because some of those people that have come in to listen to his funeral services, uh, <laughs> which is a funny way to be pegged, but have come and listened to him do funerals, have actually decided to go to that church. And I, and I think he's if I'm thinking about my brother, he really is operating as as an innkeeper in that in that capacity. The Samaritan, if we're going to really think about the analogy in this sense, the Samaritan is a Christian, or at least he's aware of the church. He's a law follower. He knows where the church is at. He knows where to take the person to the church. He knows, he knows where the end's at. But those leaders in the church, I would say both lay and clergy, not, not just clergy, many times uh, lay leaders step up as innkeepers, are going to be those innkeepers that provide the nourishment of the gospel, that, that, that are at the end as people are coming in, as broken souls are coming in. And I grew up as a pastor's kid. I mean, again, I'm surrounded by pastors. My brother's a pastor. My brother-in-law is a pastor. And my father's a pastor. So. I guess that means my sister, my mom, and I are kind of the therapy for the pastors. But uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, uh, you know, contrary to, to popular belief, we, we're, we're not we're not we're not perfect. We have a lot of brokenness in our life, as as all as we all do. All of uh, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But many times in my own life, I've really had to look to the church as a place of rest. I've really as I as I thought about Chrysostom's words and what the pastor shared with me, I thought. It's refreshing even for me to think about the church that way, because the church really has been a place where I either spiritually burnt out or uh, sad over mistakes that I've made, sins that I've committed or things that I needed to work out. And that was a place for us for me. That was a place where I went to and I was ministered to. And I think that that absolutely, you know, our pastors and myself, we're all called to be Samaritans. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I did see my father be a good Samaritan. I did see my father uh, step in and buy someone's cup of coffee. He would do that. Of course he would. Uh, we grew up in Northern Michigan. So in the wintertime, uh, my dad, shortly after we moved to Northern Michigan, got rid of the minivan and, and, and bought a four by four because you have to have them in those snowstorms if you've ever been up there. But 
I quite literally saw my father pull people off the road. I mean, pull them back onto the road before they were off the road. So I've seen my father do road type ministry like that. But if I'm really going to reflect on, on the lion's share of his time and effectiveness in ministry, it really was as an innkeeper. It really was being there as the broken souls come in. It was, it was filling up. It was feeding not just the broken, but regular church attenders so that they really would feel equipped and nourished to be uh, Samaritans when they're out in the world. Because that really is the primary charge of our innkeepers, to take the souls, to be the custodian, to be the custodian of souls that come into the church. And I don't think this is true of all pastors. I do think that some of our pastors are called to be Samaritans. I think some of our pastors really are outreach pastors or out there missionaries, in a sense, out in the field. I can think of several that are that way and are very effective in it. But I think when I talk to pastors about this reflection, when I talk to them about this, I would say, new way of looking at it, or not new way, it's a very old way, but a different way of looking at it. I find that sometimes when I, I dig a little deeper, when they say that maybe the Samaritan, and when I when I add the innkeeper, they, they may disagree with me, I don't know. Um, I, 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 but I've yet to have it. I've actually had most of them, if not all of them, kind of say to me, that actually makes sense. Because I think sometimes our pastors feel a sense of, if they're not running up and down the roads of life looking for the broken, they're not being good pastors. And that's not true. That's absolutely not true. Really, for the most part, uh, the people that attend church are going to have more opportunity. I work at the GMC now, but when I worked in social work, I couldn't think of a more secular field to be in, totally secular field to be in. I, I had many opportunities to witness to the broken, uh, and, and, and I needed to do it more. I always could do it more. But it's really going to be our people that attend church there are probably going to be more opportunities to be Samaritans. I think of the Samaritan, he could be a pastor, but I think of him as a lay person. I think of him as a businessman that was going from Jerusalem to Jericho on business. That's how I think of the Samaritan. So each and every one of us is called, including pastors, is called to be a good neighbor. Each and every one of us is going to see broken people, and we need to take pity on them. But let's not, we, we can't do what the world does, and we can't just say, hey, I see that you're in pain. Sometimes that, that, that just adds fuel to the fire. We need to recognize the pain, but where are we going to take those broken souls to? When we see those broken souls in the, in the world, where do we take them to? It's the church. It's going to be the body of Christ, truly the body of Christ, where those broken souls, and I would say regular attenders even, are going to find that rest and wellness. It's going to be at the inn. It's going to be there where they get the spiritual food that is necessary for them to go out into the world. And it's the innkeeper, it's the pastor, it's the lay leaders who are going to aid in that healing. They're going to be the ones that administer that nourishment that each one of those soul needs. Well, I, I, as a pastor's kid, I've, my father made a joke one time and he said, when you see someone speaking uh, from notes, that's a good thing. And when they put down their notes, it's a bad thing. So I've reached the end of my notes and, and I want to be short and sweet. I understand the importance of that, but I want to thank you for allowing me to be here with you today. I've greatly appreciated all of the collaboration that NBC does. And I do think you guys have such a special charge to train up our, our, our local church leaders, our innkeepers, and, and it's such a great blessing. And uh, I hope that uh, I can have future collaboration with, with you in the future. But thank you.